I believe that the word this morning is going to enable us to receive some real mega miracles. That the word itself is living, it's active. (laughs) The great thing about the word is not dependent on me. It has life in itself. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. Whoever receives them finds life. So you're going to find life this morning. There's life here this morning. Jesus is just touching lives. You know, the Holy Spirit, he just hovers on people. You know, it's it's one of the strange things about the Holy Spirit is, how can he be both in us and yet we see him come upon people? Uh, you see the mark of him just moving on people in a in like a, a whole new level, and he, you know, because he wants to fill to a greater capacity. And you know, there's two ways you do that with a balloon. It, it looks like it's full, and you you blow more air into it. But other things, you know, you have to expand them from the outside. And the way the Holy Spirit works is in both ways to to work on the outside of kind of so to speak pulling us extending us stretching our borders and and, and making us uh, see that his intention is so much more than we are receiving inside so that we will open ourselves to receive the more that he wants to give us you know we talk about the manifestation of the glory of lord we're we're talking about what is already present becoming obvious and clear to us is he, he always wants to lead us into fresh things. So this morning, as we just read this, let's receive some fresh things straight from the heart of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you make the word known to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill us, to implant the word so deep and water this word as we even water it with prayer. Father, we agree with you, Jesus, that we are everything you have called us to be. And we throw off every hindrance. We throw off those things that cause us to despair, cause us to question, cause us to uh, give up. Lord, we know you are our hope. And I thank you, you bring hope to the hopeless. That, Lord, if Abraham, against all hope, in hope, was able to hope. He didn't understand it, and nor do I, but, Father, we trust you. We trust you, Jesus. I want to thank you for that word working in hearts this morning. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. (laughs) This is Romans 8. And verse 29 onwards in the, uh, the Message Bible. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the onset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original intended shape of our lives there In him. And after God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. And after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. 
And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So, what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised for life for us, is in the very presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Wow. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? Wow. There is no way. Not trouble. Not hard times. Not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins mentioned or listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. But none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, living Dead, angelic, demonic, today, tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable. Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Wow. 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 All right, I'm just going to read that same uh, verse from, from, the, uh, from the truth. All right. So who could ever separate us from God's love for us? A love he has so clearly demonstrated already. Do you really think that God has forgotten all about you because you experience trouble or find the going tough? Or because you have to suffer persecution of some kind? Do you really think God has stopped loving and caring for you because there is famine? Or you're in great need. Or you're in danger even of losing your life. It was written. It's for your sake we face death. And are sheep that have been led to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things. In all these things. We are more than victorious. Through him. For he has already won the victory for us. And demonstrated such love for us. I am totally convinced. That death cannot separate us from his from him or his love. Neither can, is, can anything that could ever happen to us in this life. No angels can stand in the way of God's personal love for us. Nor can any demons prevent that love. Nothing in the present nor anything that can happen in the future would be able to destroy God's love for us. There is no spiritual power, nor any created power, nor will there ever be able to separate us from God's love for us that has been cl so clearly expressed in Christ Jesus our Lord what kind of week have you been having what kind of week have you been having you know the last couple of weeks we, we've, we've seen some amazing truths that God intends 
for us to know every moment of every day. So we've been reading through this, and we saw that first we saw five things. We saw that God is at work in our lives. He's not passive, he's active. Yes, he's not asleep. And he's at work for the good of his people. That's good. There's nothing he's going to do is ever going to be bad. Everything flows from his goodness out. And we saw, not that, this is where the King James gets it wrong. Not that all things work together for our good, but in all things, God works for our good. Oh yeah, there's a huge difference between those two. So no matter what's going on, God is at work for our good. That's, wow. And we saw that he was at work for those who love him. See, the more we respond to him, the more he responds to us. He has loved and lavished and poured every gift out. But when you start moving towards him, when you start laying hold of the promises and the things that God's got, he starts to give extra stuff. He starts to provide the right people in a whole new level to correct, teach, encourage you. Wow. Especially when you feel down. And then we saw that he was at work for those who have been called according to his purposes. That God's got this plan. And he's got that plan. And every time we get off it, he's working us, getting us back online with the plan. Not letting us go. No one can snatch you from the Father's hands. Wow. And then last week, we went and we saw, okay, so that's true. So if, as that's true, we then saw some other things. We then saw that God foreknew. He knew ahead. His love was so amazing, directed towards us, that because he knew us intimately, he poured the love of God into our hearts. That love that causes us to to love back. We didn't choose him. He chose us. He foreknew us. And because of his foreknowledge... He predestined us. He selected us. Not because we were going to do all the right things. But his incredible love was so much that he decided he was going to do good to you and me. Wow. He chose us to do good to. He chose you and me to be an example of his goodness. That's incredible. And so to make sure of it, he called us. Make sure we got the understanding. He called us by name. You know, when Jesus stood outside the grave of a friend, he called out Lazarus. He didn't just say, come out. He was specific. He called us by name. He called us out of death into life. Oh, that's so so important that we understand that. And when he called us, he then justified us. He, He didn't just forgive us. That wasn't enough. He didn't just accept us. Even that wasn't enough. He made it so that there was no longer anything to account for, not even a charge justified. It's it's the removal, it's the dealing with all the charges in such a way there's nothing to account for. Not just that someone else has been made guilty, 
but that we are then given their innocence and it, it was the, the, and replaces our guilt with his innocence. That's justification. It's not just if I didn't sin. It takes us way beyond us not even sinning and puts us in a whole different league. Wow. Just as if I didn't sin. Okay, that's good. Man, but the righteousness of Jesus, that is so far above me not sinning. <laughs> just as if I sin, it's just not enough. Expression, there's no longer. You see, even what I'm about to do, Jesus is already forgiven. That, what? But that doesn't give me this license to just go ahead and sin because I'm already forgiven. Because what he then does is those he called and justified, he glorified. So today, today, we are those with unveiled faces who reflect the Father's glory back to him because we're filled with glory. We honor him with our tongues. My, my tongue is my glory. <laughs> My glory, I will glory in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will speak of his goodness. I will declare those things forth. I will give honor and praise. That's why we can never be a silent people. Because we understand from out of my mouth, the river that's inside is given a room to operate. Out of my river, I begin to speak out of the river that's inside me. There's not some just a deep well. You know, a deep well speaks of uh, solidness and it speaks of stability. But a river, you see, that's what Jesus said, out of a man's innermost being, a streams will flow. Streams, not just a well. It's not just something that, you know, I've got for myself. But a stream that flows and changes the landscape around it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, that was all the last couple of weeks. But you see, the scripture here takes us on to some new questions. And if you, if, you, if you look in the NIV and you look in the other ones, it goes, so if, if God is for us, who can be against us? It kind of seems strange. Just, it, 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 Paul, he said all these amazing things, and then he, then he brings out some questions. If God is with us, if God is for us, and I, do you know, I think a lot of us, that's the issue. We kind of read it a little bit wrong. Our emphasis is on the first word, if. <laughs> if. You know, I'm Paul, if he'd just written the question slightly different and just said, so, so who's against us? Well, I don't know about you, but I can write a long list. And Paul wrote a long list. L hardships, an unbelieving world, sin and temptation, my flesh. The devil, the powers, the principalities, all that's going on around me that I can't see, as well as what I can see. And I don't, I don't know about you, but it's just sometimes it just feels like everybody. But that's not the question that Paul wrote. He didn't go, who's against us? He wrote a much stronger question. 
He wrote a question. You know, that really gets us to think about it clearly. You know, if we, we read through the rest of Scripture in Naaman, we see in Naaman 2, 13, God was against Nineveh. We see that in Jonah. God was against Nineveh. He, was, he had a plan of destruction that he had to release into Nineveh because of the sin. It wasn't he wanted to. And we see in that story of Jonah, God getting angry with Jonah because Jonah goes, you're just going to have mercy on these people. I ain't going there. They deserve your judgment. And God's going, hang on a minute. I'm trying to get you to see something different here, Jonah. The story of Jonah is, is of a servant of God who has more care for his own life than the life of the people he's sent to go and speak to. And so he runs away, goes over to the sea, and in the midst of that storm rises. And all the people, they're all scared, they're perishing with sailors. You know, sailors know the difference when they're in control and out of control. They know how to crest the waves. They know how to drive these boats or sail these boats, whatever you call it. They know what they're doing. And when sailors start crying out for mercy, you know, there's something seriously wrong. Oh my goodness, the boat's going down. And so Jonah, in that story, he realizes, hey, it's all my fault. Come and chuck me overboard. I'll take the sin. I'll take the worry. Don't worry about it. And, and chucked overboard and he sinks. You know, it's, I don't know about you, but I'm a strong swimmer. And I would tend to swim. But at the end of the day, in the middle of a storm, it's going to kill you. You're going to get swamped. In that kind of a storm, if the sailors are, are frightened for their lives... He, you know, you, you can't swim in that kind of stuff. A, a good friend of mine, my, my best man, uh, he went swimming uh, off uh, Australia a uh, short while back. And uh, uh, the undertow caught him and he drowned. And you just, how quickly something like that can happen. Jonah, the waves overwhelmed him, down he went. And down, down into... The depths, and it says, it says in Jonah, in the depths of the grave, I crawled out. It doesn't say in the whale, he called out, in the depths of the grave, in the depths of death. In other words, something was overwhelming him completely. I don't know, sometimes I think we're a little bit like that. God's called us to a vision. God's called us to a mission. God's called us to a bunch of people, and, and maybe we've blown it. But you know what? God was so determined to show good to Jonah, he supplied the whale. <laughs> a fish actually, is what the scripture says. We, we, we read some of this stuff a little, with a little bit of an extra, an extra bit. It only says a fish. It doesn't really say. It just says a big fish. All right, so just, let's just correct our theology. A fish. The fish swallows him and vomits him up all over the beach, which doesn't sound very nice. We're not going to go there. But what is God doing? God was trying to demonstrate to the man of God that this city, these people, and to Jonah himself, God was absolutely for and not against them. Mm. Not just 
You know, I think sometimes, you know, we, we think, hey, I've, I've blown up, I've not done the right things. Well, these people, God will sort them out. No, God is determined to work in us his plans and his purposes so the people we're called to get to hear through us what he's planned to do through us. He is so determined to use us. Mm. Now, when we blow it, rebellion even, when we rebel against him, he's still turning things around, bringing us back on this path. Because I tell you what, this is something we need to get into our spirit. God is for us. Because he's for us, he is not going to come against us. You know, it's, uh, we read about the rest of that uh, story. Jonah does go and speak. The people go and repent. And he goes, he gets even more cross with God. He gets more cross with God because this is what I said would happen. <laughs> you know, God likes to actually give us what we speak. We say stuff. These people are going to repent. They're going to turn. It's like, yeah. That's exactly what I planned. That's why I gave you the word to speak. It's a way of getting cross. Because, because, because. It's not fair. How can they get away with sin? How can you forgive them? I, 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 I. You know, God's called Clara and me to be the pastors of this church, whether we have money, whether we have friends, whether we uh, do things right or not. We have a, a call in our lives that we can either try to frustrate and ignore or we line ourselves up with no matter the circumstances on our lives. Because every time we minister, God brings life. Sometimes it is really despite me. I'm like, I really don't care about these people, Jesus. I, I do. But there's times I feel like, oh, it's just too much. Now, I know what Claire feels like because, you know, she, that's what she's like with me. She puts up with a lot. But what about our neighbors? What about the people around us that are waking up and having arguments like we can hear through the walls of our houses at two o'clock in the morning or they're playing the music? Hmm. You know, we have these things. It's not. We live opposite a pub. There's plenty of noise late at night. Somehow the pub closes at whatever time it closes, but two, three hours later, there's still noise. I don't get it. But what I know is God is not against Manchester and Salford. He is so for Manchester and Salford to see his plans and purposes, the whole of the Northwest, that he is determined to work with us. Hallelujah. So this question, if God's for us who can be against us that's the emphasis who can actually be against us hardship famine all the rest of it you know israel we read about it in ezekiel you know there were shepherds that god was against there were there were his his priests that he was against but paul here he sees something different he sees that God was for his people, and that's what he was writing down. We, you see, if we've been foreknown, if God knew us in advance, pre-selected, 
called, justified and glorified us, then we start to see there can be no other answer. Who's against me? God's not. I just I want you to just speak that to your own heart. God is not against me. God is not against me. God is for me. God is for me. Just just actually speak that to your own spirit. Just speak speak that to your own heart. God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. And Paul goes on and he he writes a second question. If if the first wasn't enough, it's like, okay. You know, because I'm not about you, but most of us then have a query. It's like, okay, but am I I doing stuff that kind of, you know, it's just like, well, he might be for me, but I'm not really doing the right things. (laughs) He who did not spare his own son, why would he not, along with him, give us everything else? See, that's the question, isn't it? Is, uh, would God give us everything? Because God really want to give us everything. Does, is he, is he going to give us everything? Or, or, or is it just a few things? Is it, is it conditional? Have I got to pray right? Have I got to do all the right sacrifices? How can I be sure God will supply? How can I be sure? You know, the cross is that answer. You see, that's what Paul does. He takes that question. Will God supply all you need? And he points to the cross. He points to the cross. And you see, you know that cross... There were a lot of people involved in the cross. Judas, he wanted money. Pilate, well, he he sent Jesus to that cross because of fear. The religious leaders sent him there because of jealousy. The Romans, they were threatened. The devil was just filled with fury and hate. But, None of that matters because the Father sent the Son. And he had a motive that blows everything else out. Love. When we look at the cross, we see the fury. We see the hatred. We see the destructive power. We see the, the, every plan of man, the devil, and everything else of every nation and kind. But more than that, what overrides and surpasses it all is the Father's love. This is your heavenly Father's demonstration of his love. That answers the question. If I love you this much. Why would I not give you the rest? Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. 
The cross is the guarantee of that continuing, unfailing generosity of the Father. I have a generous, loving Father. Can you say that to your heart? I have a generous, loving Father. I have a generous, loving Father. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But that takes us to the third question. The third question is, have I disqualified myself from receiving what he wants to give? Who can bring a charge? Who's going to accuse? Who can bring that charge that says that I can't get what God has given? It's him. This is the answer. God who justifies. It's God who justifies. Who will bring any charges? No accusation or persecution or prosecution can succeed. There's nothing to account for for those who put their trust in Christ. We've been seeing that. But you see, when it comes to us receiving from the Father... We know there's a pipe connected. We know the tap's on. But in our hearts, we're just kind of feeling that we've kind of put our finger in the end to stop the flow. Is that right? There's things that you're praying for, believing for, that I'm praying for and believing for. And I kind of feel that there's some stuff I've done that kind of my finger is in the hole, stopping the flow. I point that finger at myself more than other people do. But the Father sent Jesus to the cross. The devil, Revelation 12 verse 10 says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. You know, we we, we can be around people that make us feel like judgment is normal. That actually, we we deserve, and and you know it comes straight from the pit. It comes straight from the devil. You know we we have to be careful with our our mouths. You know our enemies do love to point the finger, and sometimes we're our own worst enemy at that. But every accusation fails at the start. There is no case to answer. There is no case to answer this morning. There's no case to answer. There's just mercy to take hold of. There's mercy. You need the mercy of God. This this isn't some grace-only message that, you know, just it doesn't matter what you do. This is the invitation that says 
there's an open heaven and a paid sacrifice, so lay hold of it. That's the thing. That God would change the hearts of you and me in an instance. And I'm not just talking about this once and for all. It's like, am I saved? But that, that ongoing, daily, Father, I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. It's already forgiven. You know, if you already know that the entrance is, if you know that you can come and stand here and receive from God, why would you not come and stand here and receive from God? It's so easy to walk forward and just kind of stand here and open your hands. You know, one of the reasons that worship is such a key is we begin to take the focus off of ourselves and we begin to lift our hands in the receiving mode and the giving mode. We give him our best physically. You, you demonstrate something physically very often that is a reflection of what is going on inside. Your flesh will say, I don't need to lift my hands. I just need to speak. I just need to say, and, and, and while that is only that is partially true, because it's got to come from your spirit, your flesh will always respond to your spirit if you let your spirit rule your flesh. Your flesh always wants to rejoice in the Lord. So when I'm tired, that's when I dance before the Lord, because I refuse to let my body control how exuberant or otherwise I am to the Lord. But it's not that I'm dancing physically. I'm on, on the inside. There's something being released, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dance before the Lord, not because the Spirit's kind of making me, but because actually, do you know what? I have the Spirit inside me, and my Spirit directs my body. Yes, I can pray in tongues at any second, but I actually have to switch my speech. On, I have to say something for tongues to come out. My body has to be instructed by the Spirit. It doesn't automatically, ah, praying tongues, it's not in here. It has to be expressed physically. Our rejoicing has to be expressed physically. We have to throw off things. Our mind, you know, the garment of praise, it's weird. A garment, something external, something you put on, is what deals with the spirit of despair. If you're heavy, start dancing and singing before the Lord. Start rejoicing. Bring the whole of your body, spirit, soul, and mind, everything in. We're worshipers in spirit and truth. We're worshippers in spirit and truth. Our body has to follow what our speech and our, our spirit is saying. And sometimes we're so waiting for the spirit part of us to move, we don't realize actually we've got two feet for a reason. To start dancing, whether you feel like it or not. Brother Hagen says this about the laughing. He goes, ha ha, ha ha ha. Ah, he just starts. There's nothing in him that's laughing. He just starts doing it. Ha ah, ha. 
<laughs> he starts to release out of his innermost being. That's not English. It's not tongues. It's laughter. He's laughing. Enemy. You, you're accusing? Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, Jesus. You see that cross? It's empty. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. The cross is empty. Wow. The cross is empty. It's done. It's finished. I'm in Christ. I have a hope and a future. I can dance before the Lord in spirit, truth, all my being. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My physical being is given life by my spirit, the spirit inside me. His spirit gives life to my mortal body. You know, for the greatest times that I have struggled with back problems, that's been my solution, is to dance before the Lord. Often when no one's around, but actually there's been times when I've been dancing around here, I'm in agony, physically. But I go, you body, you listen, you line up with the word. I am healed, therefore I can dance. I can give the sacrifice of praise of lips and the body that is the temple of the spirit that's able to do the things because he's healed me. I'm not waiting for what he's going to do. I'm not waiting. He has healed me. I know I'm going on a little bit here. But I tell you, you need to get your hearts ready because we're going to get into worship again in a minute. And there's going to be miracles this morning. Because you're going to release them. You're going to release what you've got. Oh, Who can separate us? Who is it that condemns? Is question four. Who is it that condemns? No. Christ Jesus who died and who was raised as God's hand. He intercedes. You see our own hearts condemn us. Our critics, our detractors, our enemies. But... He died for the very sins that we're worried about that separate us. That's what Galatians. Galatians 3.13 and Romans 8.3. And after death, he was raised to life. You know, being raised to life was the proof your sins are forgiven. Because that's the proof the sacrifice was acceptable. Come on. Jesus being raised back to life. Is the sign the sacrifice worked? Woo! Woo! Bulls, goats, and all the rest of it, hey, they stay dead. But Jesus, ha! Up from the grave, he rose. Death couldn't hold him because his sacrifice broke. Every power of sin and death. You know, we were not designed for death. God set eternity into our hearts. The, you know, the, the death that we, that we understand, the moment, we, we're born into death. We're born into spiritual death. Through the fall, death entered. 
But we were not born for that. We were born for something different. Our spirit man was born dead. I know that kind of doesn't make quite sense because you're physically alive and walking around. But we were born separated from God. And in Christ is life. Outside of Christ is no life. It's, 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 it's absence. You, you switch the light off and there's darkness. Darkness itself has no tangible expression. There's no color black. It's just an absence of light. But it's as easily dealt with with the lights. It's either light or it's dark. And you see, this is what we understand. He is interceding. Who is it that condemns? There is no answer. You know, this, this is like us going up a set of steps. You know, to go up to the green room and, uh, uh, and enjoy everything up that's there or to go to uh, where the, uh, uh, the video link is for the pregnant mums, uh, uh, nursing mums, uh, to go up there. There's a set of stairs. Each of the steps takes you where you can't jump. You know, we can't jump up to that green room. I'm not Superman. <laughs> but when the steps... I can go. And each of these steps takes us that little higher, a little bit higher, and a little bit higher. And we suddenly find there's a spacious place that God brings us into. He brings us into. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? This higher place. We don't suffer. You see, this is this next question. Who can separate us? And it takes a whole part of sufferings. But what we understand is the reason we suffer and go through things is to bring many to salvation. Mm. That what Christ suffered, we also go through. Not for our sakes, but for others. That we fill up in our bodies what is lacking. Paul wasn't talking about making his sacrifice better. And works that got him saved. He's talking about what gets other people saved. What they see in you and me is death might be at work. But life is triumphing. That we have a hope. In spite of mourning, we are able to stand and rejoice and give thanks because we have such hope, such knowledge. I mean, I, we, we've had two, two families in our church here that have had children die early. That is the hardest thing ever. That is the hardest thing ever. But what gives hope? What gives hope? Knowing the certainty, both that God is with us now and our loved ones are with him. This is the hope. This is the hope we have that gives us the ability to stand and rejoice when everyone looks in us and goes, why aren't you giving up? Why aren't you throwing everything out? And I look at Julian and Paula and I, I look at some 
uh, some others that I won't mention. I don't want to embarrass people. And that's what I see. I see the hope. I see the certainty that God is with. No weapon. You know, this is, this is the hardest part. Did we do the right things as individuals? Did we, do, did we follow the right routines? Did we pray enough? Did we, did we do the right diet? Did we, did we go over here? Did we? Hey, listen. None of that is of any issue. Christ, right now, is the healer. Christ is the deliverer. Christ is the redeemer. He's the one who, who bought back, who brings everything back in line, who makes all things possible. Who enables us to stand on the heights. Who makes us get back up onto the right place. Last week, that's what Ed is doing. Getting back up on the heights. Standing where we're supposed to stand. Because as people need to see you and me worshipping the Lord when there's money in the bank account, when there's not money in the bank account. When what we hope for is happening and when it doesn't appear to be right now. You see, that's that snap picture. Think about a photograph. It only shows you the right now situation. That's called facts. But the facts, if you look at the photographs of 10 years ago, I had more hair and most of it was a bit more black. What are you? Are you the ransomed, redeemed of the Lord? Are you those who can stand this morning and receive Forgiveness, mercy, help, because it's a free access. Every accusation, every accusation, every accusation. You know, we can, I can do this in a triumphant way. We can shout, holler, scream and declare all kinds of things. But if God is for us, how can we lose? If God doesn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embrace our condition, expose himself to the worst, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? There's, there's folks here, you need a miracle in your marriage. You're fed up with one another. You're fed up with life. You're fed up with work. And it'd be easier just to walk away. But God is just putting a challenge out. To let the love of Christ fill your heart afresh. There's others. There's others. What you understand of leaders, what you understand of people who are around you have failed you, makes you pull back from serving the Lord, even in this church or wherever other church you're from. 
And if you look at man, man's going to fail. But if you look at the cross, you see the complete finished love. The how Jesus, knowing we would fail him, knowing we would abandon him, just like his disciples did, still uh, went voluntarily to that cross. And he's the one standing in heaven interceding this morning for you and for me. It doesn't matter whether a man or a woman at work gets in your way. No man's going to stop you being promoted. But it says that famine and hardship. Famine. Hey, we need some financial breakthroughs in the church. You need some financial breakthroughs. No, we don't. We have the riches of Christ. We have the riches of... There's folks now, you're waiting for an altar call. And maybe actually you should already be out here. Because your heart's beating and just querying, just like, hey, you're not going to receive from me. You're going to receive from Christ. This message, I can keep going. I can keep preaching. But its hearts need to respond. We need to not get disappointed. Because hope doesn't disappoint. Abraham, in hope, against everything that he saw, Against all hope, he still hoped. And he was able to conceive a child. Love produces babies. Spiritually. And physically sometimes. <laughs> just, just, just quiet in your heart. Just allow, God's turning this into personal for you. Just come and receive. Just come and give yourself over to the Lord. Come and actually take hold of this word. God is not against you. God is for you. It is done. It is finished. Thank you. Thank you. You need to let go of hurt. Let go of pain. Father is not pointing a finger at you at all this morning. Jesus does not stand opposed to you.